Welcome to season two of New Trier Performing Arts Stories. I'm Dwayne Burkhardt. Our guest today is, without question, one of the most well-known and successful performers to come out of New Trier's Performing Arts Department in the last 50 years. Rain Wilson has appeared in 37 films and over 35 different TV shows, including, of course, his most famous role, playing Dwight Schrute for eight years on the American version of The Office. He is also the author of three books, including Soul Boom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution, and he is the co-founder of Lead A Haiti, an educational initiative that uses the arts and literacy to empower adolescent girls in rural Haiti. Rain, welcome to New Trier Performing Arts Stories. I love it. Dwayne, thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're doing this. My, my pleasure, sir. Um, I want to talk about all of the things that I, I just mentioned in your very impressive career so far, but I want to start by going back to New Trier and talk about your experiences there. How do you think that New Trier influenced you and your career in performing arts? Well, listen, I can't say enough good things about how Nutrier influenced me and especially the performing arts department. And I wouldn't be an actor. I wouldn't have a career if I hadn't attended Nutrier and had the opportunities and the support uh, and inspiration that I got and the classmates as well. So I'm really grateful for the education and opportunities that it provided on, on so many different levels. I look back to those two years, because I was only there junior and senior year, 83 and 84, just whole new worlds opened up for me. And uh, I'm just forever grateful. So do you have a favorite Nutrier Performing Arts Department experience? And, and if you do, why? Okay, I've got a bunch. Okay. You, I'm going to go one, two, three. Sure. So I'm going to go number one, um, me deciding to go into acting. And I've told this story before, but basically my family moved to the North Shore of Chicago from suburban Seattle because they got jobs at the Baha'i National Center, which is not the Baha'i Temple there on Sheridan Road, but it's a mile or two away over in just northern Evanston, kind of by where the Northwestern Stadium is. And uh, my dad got a job there and my stepmom got a job there as well. So we moved to the area and they did a little research and they found out, oh, New Trier is this incredible school. So we moved into, I think, which basically the only, what was the only apartment building within the radius of New Trier. <laughs> we didn't have any money. I think my dad made about eighteen or $19,000 a year. And I think my stepmom made about $9,000 a year back then. Wow. So I was like the... I was like the poor kid. My dad had been working in sewer construction in suburban Seattle. So I was like the poor misfit kid who moved to the, the rich school. It was like one of those uh, John Hughes movies. And, <laughs> and, it's, and it's really interesting because I had gotten, I had just recently gotten into like new wave and punk music. It was just really starting to break around uh, 81, 82. It was, you know, it was breaking a little later in the States than it was in like the same in New York City and in, and in the UK and stuff like that. Right. And I wasn't like a punk, but I, I came into New Trier and I was like, I liked, you know, I liked The Clash and I liked, you know, Elvis Costello and I liked 
squeeze and um, just a lot of those kind of bands. I like ska. So this was kind of a big deal at Nutria. There were not a whole lot of people in 82, 83 kind of like dressing that way, you know, with like skinny, skinny ties and torn jeans and whatnot. Anyways, that's a little background. So this was incredible because I had always thought about acting and the acting class I had taken in Seattle at my high school was just terrible. We spent half the semester doing uh, puppet shows with puppets that we made with popsicle sticks. Um, I'm not <laughs> kidding you, in an acting class. Right. But I'd always wanted to try it. And so, you know, the, the school was legendary. So I went into Michael Rotenberg's um, third year acting class. And, you know, I was pretty nervous. It was this big school. And the first assignment was, private in public, which is you act how you normally would act in your room and people are watching, but you're not like putting on a performance or anything. You're just kind of being how you would normally be in your room. So I brought in a record player and I brought in uh, Elvis Costello's first album and, you know, it was like goofing around in my room. And then I put on the Elvis Costello album. I put on mystery dance. And then I just like went just crazy ape shit dancing around nutty and it brought down the house and this was like literally like day two or three of i by the way i remember that assignment for mr runberg and, and 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 when i took the same class the year earlier so i totally get that oh nice great right um because i do want to hear about how our paths crossed i don't i don't remember you but i'd love to i, I know there's a lot of mutual friends there so we will good good we'll get there so anyways it brings down the house. I'm the new kid in town, kind of wearing, you know, a clash, torn Clash t-shirt and a, you know, a tuxedo jacket. And I'm just literally like a cliche from a John Hughes movie. And then I sit down and all of these very stunningly attractive and very kind and nice and funny women like Bess Meyer and Tria Smith and Stacey Grenius and huh? some others that were around all were like, Oh my God, you're so funny. That was so great. Hey, what's your name and where are you from? And so nice to meet you. And like, come sit at our lunch table. And I had never had attractive and interesting women ever invite me to come sit at a lunch table before. That was just, <laughs> that did not happen. Right, right. In suburban Seattle to, to nerdy Rain Wilson. Because my, my sophomore year, I had been, Dwayne, I need you to, I need you to fasten your seatbelt. I played the bassoon. Right. I was in Model United Nations. I know. Yeah. I was. I, I was on the chess team, and uh, marching band in which I wore a kilt and played the xylophone. Did not know that one. That's interesting. Wow, that's impressive. So, I was the just a mega nerd um, who had kind of discovered punk rock and gotten marginally cooler, and then all of a sudden I was like, "Screw all that! I don't want to have anything to do with." any of that other nerd pursuits like this is where the girls are and this is where I'm wanted and I brought down the house and they invited me to sit at the lunch table and I'm in and uh, and that's it and now I'm an actor and now I'm an actor I'm a drama geek I went to the, the the top tier of geeks I went straight to drama geek so that was literally you know they say that about musicians a lot like they they kind of do it for the girls but in a weird way like you know I talk a lot about art and telling stories and being a shaman and, you know, the importance of, you know, vital storytelling in the, in the national dialogue. And, but when it comes right down to it, it's like, that's, that's where I got attention from girls. It's all about the girls. 
So that was great. So, but but let me move on quickly to story number two. Sure. Okay. Because this is really where the, my whole career launched in whatever classroom that was. I it was a M one eighty three. Is that what it is? It has, yeah, it had that one mini stage up in there. Yep. That opened both stage. ways to M one eighty two and eighty three. Yep. That was it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And um, I remember that in my senior year, early in my senior year, maybe September October. I had Suzanne Adams, the great Suzanne Adams, as my teacher, and she really was my mentor and inspiration in so many ways. And um, I was really thinking more and more seriously about trying my hand at acting. Like I was having some success and playing some good roles, and you know, especially in the comedy world. And um, and on a break, I just said, "Ms. Adams, can I speak to you?" And she's like, "Oh, sure, Rain. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, sure." And she's, you know. She was kind of all over the place. And um, I went into her office and I was like, uh, Ms. Adams, and I was really, this was really hard for me to say. Like at my, I was very vulnerable. I felt very afraid. I was very insecure. And because and, inside was still that nerdy kid from suburban Seattle. And I was like, Ms. Adams, do you think it would be possible? Do you think it would be okay if maybe I was thinking about one day maybe being an actor. Like, do you think that that's something that maybe I could do? And again, really halting and, and really um, uh, insecure. And she paused and I'll never forget this moment. It's one of those indelible moments that I'll carry with me to my grave. And she was like, oh yes, yes, you should, you should try, you know, but you need to read lots of books and go to college. Don't just drop out and become an actor, but you should, and you need to study and you need to learn the craft and travel the world and have lots of experiences, but make sure you're reading books and learning and, 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 but she couldn't have been more effusive and positive. And I walked out of her office, like, like dancing on the clouds, literally just, oh my God, this is, someone thinks this is a, a possibility. And for me, Dwayne, like my dad was what I would call, I would call a failed artist. He wanted to be an artist more than anything. He was, he, he wrote some science fiction books on the side, but he painted a lot of uh, abstract oil paintings. And he, um, he never would follow through. I mean, he was very talented, really talented, but he didn't get a degree, he wouldn't meet people at galleries, he wouldn't try and sell his paintings. He just kind of did it on the side and, and he wouldn't move it forward. So I knew that if I were to be, try and become an actor and throw my hat in, um, that that was gonna take a lot of work and a lot of like moxie and rolling up the sleeves and networking and glad handing and back padding and all of that stuff that goes with it. So this was a big thing, but I didn't know I had never met a single artist. Like I, I had never met anyone that had gotten paid a check to make art. I'd never met anyone that had gotten a check for writing a poem or dancing or writing a, a novel or painting a painting or, or anything like that. So this was like such a long shot for me. I knew it was possible. I mean, there were these theaters and people seemed to kind of get checks and obviously there was film or TV. I wasn't really thinking about film or TV. I was just thinking about theater more than that. But I think about that moment often because I think about the role of teachers in our lives because it would have been very easy for her to say, Rain, you're very good and you should study and see how it goes, but you should study a lot of other things too and maybe, you know, get have a backup degree or something like that. And uh, just you've just got to know how hard it is and 
how long the long shot is, but I think you should study theater. And I mean, that's what any kind of normal person would have said. Not Suzanne Adams. But there's nothing wrong with that per se. That is a smart way to answer. Sure. But the enthusiasm and inspiration and heart uh, and connection that she made in that moment really set me on my journey. So those two events uh, really uh, landed with me and also my radio show. And that's the three? Is that number three, the radio show? That's number three, yeah. That's number three. That was uh, Un Uncle Rain's story hour. We'll get to that. <laughs> we will. We'll, we'll get to that. We are talking with uh, actor and author and philanthropist Rain Wilson, and we will be back in just a moment. This episode of Nutria Performing Art Stories is being brought to you by my new book, Rags, Riches, and Roller Coasters, My Life as a Serial Entrepreneur by Dwayne Burkhardt. The book chronicles my incredible 25-year roller coaster ride during my crazy, difficult, wonderful, tragic, and amazing years as a small business entrepreneur. The book is available at Amazon.com in ebook, paperback, and hardback. Get your copy today. And we are back. We are talking with Rain Wilson. We just finished our conversation about how you got your start in Nutria and, and some of the things that I heard from you, of course, I've heard similar things from other uh, other guests and and how, first of all, obviously Mrs. Adams comes up in almost every single conversation with every guest because she was yeah. so um, mm. so important uh, to, to all of us. But moving on from Nutria into professional theater, which is where you got your start, and then you eventually found your way into film and, and television. I've interviewed a couple of people who have made that transition. And I'm interested in your take on what that transition was like for you. What was the hardest part about shifting from stage acting to screen acting? Well, it was a little different for me. I did my freshman year at Tufts University, then my parents got a really horrendous divorce. I went back, they had moved back to Seattle at that point. I went back to Seattle, went to University of Washington. And then I auditioned for uh, training programs. That was, you know, that's another story about, you know, making that commitment of like going into a three-year conservatory program. So I ended up at, at NYU in the graduate acting program. And so that was all training in the theater. It was all, it was very much like Nutria. It was like, we didn't really even talk about TV and film. It was- The theater. You know, it was Moliere. Yeah. It was clowning and Shakespeare and text and Eugene O'Neill and big classics and, uh, experimental stuff. And so when I got out of NYU, I, you know, I really struggled for a long time. Um, I was this kind of weird looking ungainly kid theater nerd. And I, I worked steadily, but it was, you know, I did Shakespeare in the park. I did bus and truck tours of, of Shakespeare plays with the acting company for like two years. And I did bunch of plays at arena stage in Washington DC and the Guthrie theater in Minneapolis and a lot of regional theater, Dallas and, you know, kicking around and then some off Broadway, a little bit of Broadway. And, and I was realizing like, Hey, if I'm ever going to pay off my student loans, I'm going to need to get some TV and film here <laughs> one of these days. And I couldn't even like, I couldn't catch a break in New York. I mean, it was, it was, it was terrible. And I was on the Shakespeare tour with Jeffrey Wright who has been in Westworld and 
tons of stuff and you know just one of the one of the great actors and we came back from like literally like eight months on the road and i was still like kind of broke i hadn't really saved my money i don't know what i spent it on but well i know what i spent it on i'm, I'm not going to talk <laughs> about that but and we came back and then he we were checking our mail because they sent mail to us at the at the home office and he had a residual check for doing three days on a harrison ford movie that was like and it was like five thousand dollars it was like a, a fortune at the time i was like oh my god and i was like i'm in the wrong business i gotta get into tv and film and so i really tried pursuing that i also saw that actors that were in tv and film had their pick of the litter in terms of uh choosing uh pro theater projects so i knew that a lot more doors would open up to me if i was uh doing tv and film and long story short you know i wrote a book called the bassoon king which is kind of my life comedic life memoir i have some of those stories in there but it wasn't really until i moved to los angeles in 99 that i started doing tv and film so i graduated from high school in 84 i really didn't do any tv and film till 99 15 years after high school so that's not normally how it's done you know usually it's a handful of years and you start doing little things here and there but but i'm really grateful for that because i it really grounded me in my craft um and i learned a ton in the theater and i learned about kind of my range as an actor and i learned about what was in my wheelhouse and you know i learned how to build a character and use text and land jokes and you know so it was an interesting and difficult transition uh to understand that obviously it goes without saying the camera picks up everything but theater is all about like you have an emotion you have an intention how do you do it in such a way that people who are sitting 100 200 300 feet away from you can know exactly hear you and know exactly what you're thinking and feeling so there's this there's a certain amount of inhabiting and there's a certain amount of kind of like projecting amplifying as it were you know you don't want to do it in a waving your hands around and shouting but there is a you know there's a certain amount of, uh, of responsibility you have to people in the farthest rows of the theater so but the camera there's there's none of that there's zero amplification um, that you need to do. You just need to do the inhabiting and the connecting. So it definitely took me a while. It took me a couple of, um, a long couple of years to kind of really get used to. And I look at some of my early performances on camera, like Almost Famous, and, and which was, I had a very small part, and House of a Thousand Corpses, this really schlocky kind of cult horror film that I did. And I did a couple episodes of TV, like CSI and charmed and some of those early things i'm like oh i'm just pushing so much so that was uh that was definitely a transition but then then it clicks and you and you and it's this it's the same thing you're just listening and responding and building your interior life and you have intentions and and you play those intentions you started your film career with galaxy quest which is one of the greatest parody films of all time when you're when you're doing TV and film, and whether it's Galaxy Quest or, or or anything else, when you're when you're doing it, do you have a sense at the time? Because and again, getting back to something again of the difference between stage and screen, when you're performing on stage, the audience tells you in real time whether or not it's working or not. In 
in in film and television, you don't have that. Do you do you gain a sense over time? Do you have a feeling that as you're doing it, you know, whether it's going to be great or terrible, is it working? Is it not working? How did you end up with that? How did you develop that sense? Well, that's a great question. It really is because you're 100% right. Even when you're rehearsing a play, you know, there's people around watching and you can get laughs from people and you can feel the energy in the room. But, you know, when you're shooting, everyone's got their job to do. They're not there to even watch your performance. They're they're holding a microphone or a bounce board or plugging in a light or, you know, counting props or, or something like that. So, um, or focusing a camera. So, uh, that is another way in which I feel that my years at that point, it had been, you know, 10 to 10 to 15 years of theater experience, doing nothing but theater really helped me because I, I just knew when it was good. I knew when this was right. And I knew when it was working like in my gut. So I had, I had honed my instincts at that point. It was pretty rare in my film and TV work, you know, in the two thousands that I've, done something that I thought was like, oh, I think this is working. And, and then other people are like, oh, no, that's, this is, this is terrible. <laughs> so interesting. Um, but I, but I think that is, I think it's just putting in those 10,000 hours, you know, you know, and I trust the directors, like the TV directors have usually directed, you know, two, 300 episodes of television and they, they know what's going to work and what's good. And they'll give you really good adjustments about size and intentionality and kind of what they need from the character at the time and kind of like keep trying to keep everyone in the same world stylistically. Interesting. You once said that Badass was your favorite film that you've ever done. Is that still true? That's not still true. That was, yeah. That, that is not. What's your favorite now? I remember, I remember saying that. Um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a bunch now favorite film that I've ever, I think super is probably my favorite film. Okay. James Gunn's independent film before he went off and became like a giant Marvel director. He was married to Jenna Fisher from the office at the time. And he had this script sitting around and he was a, he was a very successful writer, but he was trying to really develop his directing career. And we went around and we raised like three and a half million dollars to do it a really low budget and um, shot in Shreveport, Louisiana, but it's very strange, but I really, uh, I love, I like my performance and I like the the film and, and what it does. But I actually, no joke, I just finished a film called Code 3 that doesn't have distribution yet and it's starting to submit it to some festivals, independent film. And uh, I, I, I think in that role, like I have the most to do I've ever had to do uh, as an actor, it's comedy and drama and tragedy and, and social commentary and, you know, all rolled into one. And it's, it's a really dynamo of a role. It's about these paramedics on a night from hell, the last 24 hours in his, in his job as a paramedic. And, um, it was, uh, I do it with Laurel Howery, kind of a comedic duo in it. And, um, uh, so I'm, I'm excited for people to see it. Excellent. We, we obviously will will wait and enjoy uh, and look forward to seeing it, too. Uh, we're talking with actor Rain Wilson, and we've been talking about his movie career. We're going to talk about TV and one of the things I'm sure everybody wants to hear about when we come back. Well, folks, just like last season, there are times when a guest and I are just having way too much fun talking to fit everything into one episode. So we're going to take this up again next week 
when Rain and I will talk a little bit more about film. And then, of course, The Office. And we will start to talk about his work as a best-selling author. But for now, Nutria Performing Art Stories is a copyrighted production of Narratives, LLC. It is written, directed, produced, and edited like a guy who couldn't stand to cut even a single second of his show by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. For more information, or to suggest a guest or sponsor for our podcast, please email info at NutriaPADStories.com. And please join us next week for part two of our season two premiere with actor, author, humanitarian, and genuine good guy, Rain Wilson. Until then, thanks for listening. Please hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.